You're way cooler um, than I thought oh. you, you would be. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm a horse psychologist. That's I mean, it. not yeah. a horse psychologist, but I'm a horse lady. So, um, no, but that does break the ice with, with equestrians. I have parents often say to me, well, she won't be able to talk for an hour. Um, she'll, you know, who, the, the, the client will be able to, she won't have enough to say. And, you know, that's never the case because once we start talking horse, we're off and running. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Equest File. Equest File is a new perspective on equine data management. No more paper files or notebooks piling up around your house or barn. All your important horse records, training schedules, and even pictures and video are with you all the time. Quick and easy so you have more time to take care of what you do best. Take care of your horses. There is a 14-day free trial, but we believe you're going to love it. So if you use MLE20 at checkout, you'll receive 20% off a six-month subscription. Check them out by going to equestfile.com. And Karen, as usual, we love to thank our sponsor, Exhibitors Products, for sponsoring this episode. Yes, and this week we'd like to feature the Quick Shampoo and Conditioner. Very good stuff. Very good stuff. Tell us all about it, Karen. Well, the Quick Shampoo is a new breakthrough in shampoo technology with a shine-intensifying solution for equine hair that optically alters the way light interacts with each hair shaft. A low sudsing formula that rinses out quickly is an excellent stain remover and is gentle enough for everyday use. Used consistently, the optical effects intensify and enhance shine with each use. Mm. Well, we saw that firsthand, didn't we, Karen? We sure did. We washed old Max up, and that was the first. The first step was getting off all the heavy stuff with the shampoo and conditioner. And yes. that alone did a great job. It sure did. And it was amazing. Yeah, and that, the conditioner really got the tail. All untangled and really help with that, right? Yeah, came out nice and silky and smooth. Silky smooth. So, um, you know, hey, we all need shampoo and conditioner, Karen, for our horses. So, yeah. I think exhibitors got that covered pretty doggone good. Yep, and like they say, groom like you mean it. Groom like you mean it. I'm Karen, and I'm Rob. Karen, super excited for today's Major League Event podcast. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. We have a kind of a different type of guest today. It's something that we think everybody listening is going to really get a lot of uh, value out of this podcast. Today, we have on the show, welcome to the show, uh, sports and performance psychologist for equestrians and other athletes, Mm -hmm. Dr. Darby Bonobi. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. It's our first doctor, I think. we've No, we had vets, but this... They count as doctors. Yeah, they'd count. <laughs> Definitely. So not Definitely. our first doctor, but no. our first real psychologist. So Watch I get out. very nervous around psychologists. I'm always Watch worried out. that they're <laughs> analyzing me, Karen, and there's there's a whole lot going on here. So You're Dr. in trouble. <laughs> Dr. Bonomi's going to be, at the end of this, I feel like uh, she's going to be telling you all about what's inside my head and to run. <laughs> it's a scary place. <laughs> hey, do you prefer to be called Dr. Bonomi or how do you normally go? 
Uh, I go by Darby with my clients. Um, I mean, uh, I am a psychologist. I have a PhD, but but we usually go on a first first name basis. Cool. Okay. Oh. So I'm on a first name basis with the doctor. There we Karen go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, hey, Looking up. <laughs> we always like to just find out where where you're coming to us from, since we are by phone here. So we always like to know where whereabouts you're you're at right now. I'm uh, located in San Francisco, and um, uh, but I work mainly with, by phone with um, almost all my athletes. Um, and so, yeah, I'm in Northern California. I keep my horses in Petaluma, which is north of the city, about 45 minutes. Wow. Awesome. Very nice. Love it. San Fran sounds nice right now, Karen. I think I can go for San Fran. <laughs> <laughs> so, Darby, I you know, you work with a lot of athletes that are riders. And so are you a rider yourself? You just said you have horses. So do you ride yourself? I am. Absolutely. This is uh, what's so thrilling for me to be able to merge my passions. Um, so I do ride now. I uh, have uh, hunters and jumpers um, and I ride in the amateur owner divisions and I've ridden most of my life. I also rode um, as a, as a kid and a teenager, I rode um, uh, my, uh, the highlight of my junior career was riding in Madison square garden at the McClay final. Nice. Um, so, yep. Yeah, so um, I know a lot about that stress. Um, I uh, but currently I I ride in like I said the amateur owner hunters and and uh, not so much jumpers the equitation and I have two daughters also teenage daughters who ride and and um, they do the the high divisions also so it's a family affair for the Bonomis. Wow, wow! The high divisions. You mean is that like the high divisions? What what does that mean? Like uh, as in like the, the uh, well, things? you know, they do the the the. Um, the junior hunters, so the three six or the the big X, which is also the three six, and my my one daughter did the jumpers. She did the um, the junior jumpers, and um, so they're what what I'm saying is that they're 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 good riders. Right. They're ri- riding at the high level. Yeah, wow. yeah, wow. And my younger daughter actually is taking my um, my big horse, and she her goal this year is to do the international derbies. So so she'll be jumping some big fences with my horse Da Vinci. Wow, oh, very cool! Man, that's awesome, Karen. Yeah, it is. It is. Did you guys ever think about switching to eventing? <laughs> <laughs> You know, we didn't. No, uh, this is sort of been ingrained, but uh, but I sure love working with eventers. Um, so I, yeah, I work with eventers and dressage riders and hunter jumper folks, and I would be totally open to working with people in other disciplines too. But these seem to be the the main three that I see, and um, I love working with eventers. They're um, uh, they're really fun, and uh, and the three different disciplines really bring. Um, um, some, some different kinds of conversations. So, um, yeah, it's really cool. I love it. So tell us a little bit about like your business. What do you do? How, how, like, um, you said you already, you, most of the times you work with people that are riders. So can you tell us a little bit about the things that you do? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, um, you know, I am a psychologist by background. I had a clinical practice for many, many years. Um, and then, um, uh, and then I did some parenting work. I've done a lot of teaching, um, um, but over the last few years, I've transitioned to uh, working just with athletes. So, um, and parents of athletes, I would say that's another uh, subset of folks who come to talk to me. And so, um, 
uh, and people come to talk to me because generally their performance isn't what they wish it would be, right? They're having trouble either with perfectionism or fears, or they're just not riding to the, to where they know they can ride and something's getting in the way and they're not sure what it is. And they're looking for something more than, um, some mental skills coaching or, or, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks out there and there's a lot of help out there, but being a psychologist, I bring a bigger picture, a bigger package of tools, if you will, or toolbox to, to what I do with riders. Um, you know, it's part of my philosophy and I know personally as well that, you know, we pack our personal psychologies onto our horses a lot of times, right? Uh, whatever we're carrying, whatever burdens we're carrying, sometimes we bring them into the saddle and that's usually not a good thing. So part of our practice has to be to, to kind of unravel some of that stuff, leave it back home, get rid of it, untangle it so we can be really fully in the saddle because that's when we ride our best, when we're fully present and um, and with our horse. So um, that's a long way of answering your question that, you know, people come because they're not riding how they think they could ride or they're too nervous or something's getting in the way. Gotcha. And you said you do you do it by phone and then do you do clinics and, and that type of thing as well? Yeah, I work mainly by phone because people aren't general. It's hard for people to get to my office here in San Francisco and because people are at Barnes and they're all over the country. Um, and also we're all traveling to shows a lot of the time. So I need to be flexible in that way. And then I do do clinics um, at bar- either at Barnes or at shows or um, uh, it's nice when a whole barn has me over to, to talk to everybody and work with the whole group. Then we all are on the same page. Um, so I teach, uh, I, I do teach mental skills and some psychological, uh, give some psychological tools as a group, you know, to reduce stress and get focused, et cetera. We can talk more about that. Um, and then I work with parents also. Um, and I work sometimes with trainers that help with barn dynamics or issues of communication that come up between trainers and clients or within a barn. So I feel really blessed and grateful. I get to do a lot of a lot of things. People come to me to, for with a lot of um, different things to untangle, and and um, and I'm privileged to get to to help them. Gotcha. And do you work with like everybody from like young? You said like young people, their parents, and in, do you like work with everyone like up the levels, like even to like the professional ranks? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have a very broad range of people I work with, both in terms of age. Um, uh, about 10 is my youngest person, nine, I guess, all the way up to, uh, I was working with a woman who was about 72 and, and the full range of, uh, skills too, from, I have, um, a couple of very, very elite riders. One of my riders is going to the Olympics and, um, you know, and, and then people who are, uh, recreational riders too. I have some, some, some folks, so, you know, and everything in between. So again, I mean, the, and, and what's interesting is a lot of the issues that people um, uh, uh, pack around or need help with are not that dissimilar, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, the, the level of riding might be uh, uh, vast, but, or the, you know, the difference might be vast, but the, but the challenges are not, you know, are often similar, fears, perfectionism, worries, et cetera. You know, it's funny, you say nine and 10 years old, and it, it just makes me wonder if, do you find that having 
you know, because obviously anxiety starts or, or you know, and mental space, you know, it, it starts early. You know, we can all look back at when we we're young yeah. kids and, mm-hmm. and, and, and troubles when we were young, you know, as adults now even. And do you find that as starting with someone even that young when they kind of start to already start develop these, you know, mental hiccups, so to speak, or anxieties, do you find that starting someone out younger helps them? Uh, once they're an adult or do you think that uh like does that does that does that make sense that question does that help kind of prepare them so they can get over it before they're an adult and try to be in a professional oh do you mean you mean working with an anxious person who's younger uh does that help them yeah like as a, um, like if a parent, go, yeah if a parent's yeah. listening and they see that their, their son or daughter is, is struggling mentally you know they come out of the ring oh, and they're crying yeah. they're having trouble dealing with you know, the, the hard times, let's say, or, or they're having trouble remembering courses because they're so stressed out or they're, they're getting tightened. You know, do you, do you find that that's, um, do you find that starting early like that is actually, um, beneficial and they can almost be cured, so to speak, by the time they're adults, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think early, you know, intervening early is, is great if you can do it, right? I mean, to see, and, and I don't have many folks who are, who are uh, nine or 10 and really struggling with lots of anxiety. I mean, hopefully by that, you know, when you're that young, you're, you're really enjoying, right? You haven't um, had a, been, um, uh, you're not carrying around all these nerves, but some kids are. And I do feel like the sooner you intervene and the sooner you give tools to the parents, um, uh, um, the better it is, right? Because um, some some of us are just also wired more anxious than others. Right? Some of us are just worriers, and and um, and sometimes parents don't have the tools to help their worrier child not worry so much, um, right? Um, but usually we get into horses because we love them, right? Because it gives us such pleasure and joy, and the barn is a sort of a calm place for us. I mean. Most of us, that's how it is, right? That's right. part of why we ride, the way it makes us feel when we're with our horses. And then to have that, that have the barn become a place of stress and anxiety and pressure. Um, I mean, that's really, that's really sad. I really try to turn that around. And, you know, sometimes I have to say that that, that comes from, uh, you know, a, a unwitting parental pressure, right? Um, uh, everybody, and you see this in lots of different sports, the parents be- become overly um, invested um, in their child's success, right? <laughs> what quote unquote success, and the child feels it and, and then it, um, it gets a little bit sticky. So um, usually some parental re-education can really, can really help with that. But I hate to see a nine or 10 year old really, really stressed. I mean, I hate to see anybody really, really stressed, but someone that young who really should be connected to their pony kid self. Um, we want to help them as soon as we can. Yeah, I could have used some of that. I was a, I was a stressy parent, Karen. When the kids <laughs> yeah, were, you were. I had to learn, yeah. I had to back it down a little yeah. bit. So, yeah, to start yeah. Taking well, and I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, and I it's hard. I was just I'm sorry. I was just going to intervene. In some ways, horses is hard. I mean, a lot of sports are hard, but horses, you know, they're an invest a financial investment. So I think parents are naturally more invested because it costs more than other sports, right? Right. Um, I mean, soccer, you're invested too, and all that traveling, et cetera, and people that people do. But I think. 
you know, that's a, that's partly a unique um, characteristic of our sport. It's just, it's a whole family investment. Right. For sure. I, I could definitely use some Dr. Darby early on, Karen. <laughs> but, you know, when you're raising kids, you know, as a parent, it doesn't, kids don't come with a, a manual, you know, and you have to learn. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, you end up learning a lot on your first child. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. How, how do you, uh, how do you, like, how do you go about helping the riders gear up to like bring their best in the show ring? How do you, what, what are, how do you do that? Well, that is a great question. Um, so, uh, you know, I work on this pr- most with, with riders, but especially riders who are, who are showing competitive riders. And so um, what I, so first of all, um, and I think we talked about this before that, um, that, you know, once you get to a certain skill level, performance is 90% psychological, right? So, um, um, and what I find is that, um, that people work a lot on their technical skills and they work a lot on their fitness, their physical fitness, the other two aspects of performance, but they tend not to spend as much time on their psychological readiness or what I call the psychological fitness. And so, um, um, but it, but like I said, once you get to a certain level of performance, bring, you know, once you get in the ring, your ability to, to bring it is, is, is so much psychological. So, um, so that's sort of the groundwork, but, um, I always tell people there are three components I feel like of being really psychologically ready to perform. And, um, the first part is we need to clear our minds, um, right. Of all the mental chatter, right. We have to be, we have to get rid of whatever's in that frontal lobe there and, and be really present. Um, the second aspect um, of being really ready is to, to have your physical body and kind of your emotions ready. And I consider that different from your mental brain, right? Your physical, if your physical, you know, you can sort of separate, you can think of this, of course, they're all related, but I think of them separately because I work on them separately. So the physical body can't be all tense, right? It needs to be kind of ready, relaxed and ready and your emotions have to be sort of calm and ready. And the third aspect that I like to talk to people about is that focus, that kind of honing in on the, the you know, the, the narrowing of the focus so that you're really, uh, you're really in the zone, so to speak, or you're getting yourself in the zone. Um, so those are my, the, the three parts. Um, and then um, once people are aware of those three parts, then we talk about different ways um, to do this. Um, and generally I, I help people develop or I encourage people to have a pre-ride routine or a pre-show routine. Um, and usually everybody does have, we all probably have a routine that we go through. Um, but, uh, what I do is with people is kind of go through, what do you do before you show? If you have a performance at noon, what are you doing (laughs) before that time? Um, and, and we develop a very specific routine, their pre-show routine to clear their mind, to get their, their body and their emotions kind of relaxed and ready, and then to get them really focused. And, you know, some of those, it's, there's a lot of ways to do these things and, and it, it, the, the plans are individualized. Some of the different techniques we use are, um, you know, meditations, um, relaxation, breathing, or 
energizing breathing. Um, uh, I could go on and on. You know, some people like to listen to music, visualization. So some of those are some of the tools. But uh, but we design a a routine for each person's needs and circumstances. Gotcha. Wow. You know, the thing is, you know, the the way our the sports are unique, where you have the horse that's your partner, and your horse can sense your tension and if you ride tight the horse is going to be tight i mean it's uh it's so important to get you know it's one thing if you're a baseball player and you're like well i'm tight and i just have to power through but right when when the horse can tell you know uh you know like i think you and i were talking a little bit before uh about you know when 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 someone's worried that they're focusing on uh you know the flower box in the ring or something like that and (laughs) you know uh, you know, and how that, like, do you ever find like the people focusing, like, how do you get someone to say, there's the flower box and how they're going to remember to just remember how to ride and not focus that, oh, this is where my horse is going to freak out, you know? Right. Yeah. It's really important to, um, <laughs> to stay in present time. That's what I always say to folks, but that, if you're worried about the flower box or the oxer at the end of the ring, uh, you're not in present time, right? And, and your horse is in present time. Guaranteed, your horse at the starting gate is not thinking about the flower box at jump six, right? Your, your horse is, is, is present. So the only way we can ride them effectively and be connected and really effective is, is if we stay in present time. And, um, so, um, so that includes, you know, you can think about, you can note the flower box in your course walk, um, but we wouldn't want to have our brains be lingering there because then we'd be ahead of ourselves, right? And what we need to do is ride every step. And as we're approaching the flower box, we might add a little bit of leg, we might sit up, um, but we have to, to feel our horse. Because if we're, if we're too worried, right, we're not feeling whether our horse is tense or maybe our horse is completely relaxed. And the flower box is not concerning him at all. Right. <laughs> um, um, but being in present time, so all those techniques I sort of threw out earlier, that really the underpinning is also to just kind of get yourself in a really zen, for lack of a better way to say it, really present time connected with your horse place. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that that's so true to be mm-hmm. present. Like yeah. this this is what I'm doing right now. Do you ever find like what the different ways that the stress manifests? I mean, like have you ever had someone that has trouble just remembering their courses or remembering a dressage test as part of stress? Is that do you ever run into that? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um <laughs> That's gotta be a tricky one to get yeah. like over, right? Like because you don't know if it's a learning problem or a memory problem right. or if it's a stress problem, you know? Well, yeah, that's a really good point. And you do have to, to to figure those things out. I mean, I did have one rider who could not remember courses and it was a learning and she was an adult, but it was a learning difference. She didn't act, she saw each fence individually and didn't actually see them in lines, even though they are in lines, right? If you right. memorize a pattern, but she, it was her learning different. I mean, you know, if you see a pattern, then it's a lot easier to remember, right? As you know, like a story, um, like one of my kids, she had trouble remembering the alphabet because it didn't make any sense. But once, you have a story or a 
song to go with the alphabet. It was fine. She could remember it no problem. But otherwise, to her, it seems like a random group of letters, which it is kind of. Why does C come after B? I mean, <laughs> yeah. is there a reason? I don't know. But if you have your song, then you remember it. So things like, so you're really, it's a really astute point to bring up the learning difference. It's not all stress. And then, you know, the stress folds in on the learning difference because the person knows that this is really hard. I'm taking pictures of the course. I'm drawing the course, but I can't remember it. So anyway, with this person, once we, once we figured out that if she thought about it in patterns, um, and we could make up a song or we could figure out like, you know, the, the and, and courses generally do, right? You, you jump the, the gray line. So they generally have some sort of pattern to them. Um, then it, it became, it reduced her stress, which enabled her to, to learn it um, and, um, uh, you know, helped her a lot. So, um, so yeah, when people forget that's a symptom, right? It's, it's, uh, and, um, we would work to, uh, again, reduce stress, um, figuring, figure out, uh, um, and often they forget because they blank out, right, on mm-hmm. course or in a test. I've had a writer, she goes in and she's a dressage writer and she literally blanks out. She, like, she goes elsewhere. So it's a case of not being in present time. She literally kind of in her mind leaves her horse. Like, what am I doing here? And so for her, um, uh, I mean, she would go and do it, but it would be this feeling of I'm not, it would be almost an out of body kind of experience. Like I'm not on this horse. And so we really worked with grounding and being present and feeling, you know, I do these meditations in the saddle. I call them meditations, but they're like, just all of a sudden, you know, you feel your weight and you're in the stirrup and you feel your legs on the, on the flaps of the saddle and feel your seat bones in the saddle. Okay. Touch your horse's uh, shoulder, just bring your, like, listen to the sounds of his hooves on the ground, all that, that just helps you bring right here. Um, right? And, and it helped her to, along with some breathing as long as she could stay present, she could actually remember the test. Um, Wow. Uh, but the but the goal was but the problem was that she didn't got so stressed that she just felt like she wasn't even riding her own horse. Wow, um, that's wild. You must see some. Yeah. Horses. Well, and then you have the thing where it's like you are you you're, you have maybe maybe you know you're not a great learner, so then you stress, which makes that harder to learn. You know, so it's all like the, the you know it's all different. You got to sift through a whole lot a lot of stuff, man. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was talking about earlier, that, you know, when someone brings a problem, they, they have experience, this is my problem, but then it does, you know, it takes some time to sort of, well, let's kind of unravel this yeah. ball of twine mm-hmm. and it's see, like re- okay. Reverse engineer the whole thing. Yeah, you sort of start to pull on some threads and see what comes out and see what loosens things up and see what tightens things up. I mean, the ball of the ball of thread is actually a really good analogy because sometimes you're pulling on something and it's tightening things up. You're like, oh, that's the wrong one. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right. And then you have to um, to work in in another way. Um, so, but that's also what makes it challenging and it makes it fun. I feel, like I said earlier, I really feel privileged to work with folks and help them unravel their their challenges and and what. I really want to say too is that I want to bring the joy back to people's riding. I mean, that's why we ride, right? I'm a rider. I know why I go to the barn. <laughs> it's because I step out of the car and I instantly feel healed, right? I'm at the barn. They're my horses. And, you know, what I find so many people have so much stress and so much anxiety and perfectionism. We could talk about that. And then they're not enjoying 
the right this uh, uh, this sport that and these animals that they love so much. So um, if we can get them back to enjoying it, um, not only will they enjoy it, but also they'll ride better. <laughs> you know, but. Um, yeah. Well, now, what about so you know, eventing is a three phase sport. So, what type of like uh, advice would you give people that let's say they blow, like they have like a, a the dressage test doesn't go according to plan, but now they have to regroup and get ready to go, you know, jumping or or cross country or something. How do you do you work with people like that? I guess even with the hunters, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's the hunter jumpers or eventing or dressage. Like you always have another step, and how do you? Work oh, able to regroup yeah. after they have a, a rough a rough patch. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'll just preface this by you know the perfectionism um, that kind of runs through the elite sports, and I, I I just I run into this all the time, right? People are uh, it's really hard to people go in with this idea of needing to be perfect or you know get a certain score, and then um, but any sense of perfectionism generally. Um, I mean, it drives us to work harder and, and reach farther, but it also um, limits us. So what I try to tell people is when they're, when they're struggling with perfectionism, I try to tell them, look, it's not going to be perfect. It's not. The distances are not going to come up perfectly. They're not. They never, they don't. They, I mean, they just won't. Maybe one will out of all your jumps. It's not going to be perfect. There's going to be a flag blown over or this, that, the other thing. So Let's leave that aside. Let's just throw that over there. You got to ride every step, right? And so that goes also true for, okay, so first day didn't go great. Well, that's, that's, you get to be upset about that for maybe, you know, you, you know, if you made a mistake, okay, I'd be upset with yourself. But we absolutely have to leave that back there. I'm putting my left hand out here. You can't see it. And we have to be back in present time, right? That's there, but we have to be back in present time. Same goes for if you have a bad jump. Actually, this is especially true, say, on course and, um, well, with any of the disciplines, right? Okay, you make a mistake. Um, you can, if, you're, if you stay back with the mistake at sense four or with some movement in your dressage chest, then you're not again in present time. You're going to drag that mistake through your entire performance. The best at, right, the best athletes, they make mistakes, right? Things happen on course to BZ Madden or, you know, they, they do, but the best athletes know how to recover instantly, right? They don't pack it along with them. They're like, okay, my horse veered out a little bit. You know, that was a little long distance because I didn't, you, you know, they're not thinking, but, but, you know, they're reacting. They're like, okay, now I got to correct that because the next line now is going to be a little long or whatever. You see what I mean? That the best athletes are leaving it behind and staying in present time and going forward. And so I would say that's true whether you're on course or doing a test or whether it's the next day. You got to come back out the next day and give it your all and leave that back there. When you go back home, you work on whatever, you know, didn't go well. Um, so, and I, that's the best, the best athletes, whether it's basketball or, you know, equestrian sports or tennis, that's what they do. They keep chipping away at it. They don't stay stuck in their mistakes. Um, and it's a mental skill. You know, everyone, What's that? Sorry? Know Michael Jordan was cut from like the varsity f basketball squad in high school, you know, at one time, like, you oh yeah, to, you, have to, <laughs> you have to keep going. Yeah. You can't, you can't let it defeat you. That's, 
That's right. No, you, and you need to do it right, right now. If you're in, you're right in performance, you need to do it right now. And so that is a mental skill that you can develop, right? That you can work on. Um, and, um, uh, so, um, anyway, that's what the best do in my view. Gotcha. Yeah. I love it. So, you know, we, we'll go to shows and writers will watch someone do a show jump course and you know, they'll come out and we'll know, you know, we're like, Oh, that was great. And they're like, ah, no, it wasn't perfect. You know, things didn't go right. You know, how, how do you help these riders that suffer from perfectionism? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, that's, that's a great question. So you're talking about a rider who just sees the cup as half, half empty right, right? right. <laughs> um what what she didn't or he didn't do right so well first of all i'd like to i always want to figure out what the context is so if this is a kid i'm kind of wondering about the trainer and i'm wondering uh about the parents i'm wondering where where she's you know um where where this has come from right if she's having a heart or this is really something that she is packing around um I mean, I just worked with a kid earlier today who is this way <laughs> and she's this way, whether she's riding or uh, whether she's at school. Well, that was an 87%. That was, you know, she forgets that she's in super advanced math and uh, super advanced Spanish and that she, she forgets her own context. So for her, it's definitely something that she packs around and is part of her drive. Um, so, so I like that. And I tell her, I like that. That's part of your drive that 87% on this test is not, and I'm talking about a math test or with some test is not good enough for you. Um, and yet you're, you're forgetting that you got 87%. <laughs> and that was actually the highest score in the class. Wow. So, some <laughs> right. So some reframing, um, so this, you know, the perfectionism is ubiquitous, I guess, again, um, you know, in, especially in these competitive athletes, because everyone is striving to get, to be better. Um, but, uh, but it has to be constant reframing of, you know, putting things in perspective. Um, and I literally do, like I said earlier, tell people to put the perfectionism at the door. Um, we all know in all sports, but certainly in our sport, it's never perfect. And we're not only dealing with ourselves, we're dealing with horses, mm-hmm. right? I mean, horses are <laughs> the variables that come with a horse are just tremendous, right? Your horse is a little tight. Your horse is nervous. He's spooky. It's windy. Oh, now it's hot. Um, <laughs> right. So the whole idea that things are going to be perfect or that you have to be perfect is really, um, it's, 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 uh, counterproductive. So once I get people thinking like that, um, and, and another thing that I tell them, especially amateurs is that, um, to, to adopt a professional's perspective, right? A professional rider goes out there saying, how can I give this horse the best ride today? Uh, you know, how can I do my best for this horse today? And I find that that little change of perspective, when riders start thinking, oh, yeah, it's a windy day today. My horse is going to be spooky. I'm going to have to ride it like this. When they start thinking about what they can do for their horse rather than, oh, I'm, I'm going to make a mistake, it, it can transform their riding and, and really help with that perfectionistic piece that's so limiting. I love it. Yeah, that's great advice. Man, oh man, Karen. <laughs> Where were you back when I needed you? When I was I being competitive. <laughs> I could have used my... Well, you know what? As I hear this, I'm thinking to myself, you know, we always... we. 
as 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 anyone that's being coached, we always look to the coach to, you know, especially when it comes to the horses, you know, we, we look to our riding instructor to also be our person that, you know, when we fall off to get us up, brush us off and throw them back up on a horse or you come out of the ring and you had a yeah. bad go. And, you know, the truth is you're a doctor. You're, you know, you've studied this and the riding instructors and coaches there, they, they study how to ride a horse and how to, you know, make that happen. So I think that it's, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to, to get some, get, 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 get a, you know, talk, talk to you <laughs> and get the help with the, the <laughs> mental side and the, and the, and the, that, that part of it, you know, it's, it's all, all these pieces go together. And I think there's kind of a lot to ask our riding instructor to also help us figure out, you know, a, a mental hiccup, so to speak, you know? So I am, um, yeah, the more I hear you talk, the more I keep thinking to myself, boy, it's, it's, um, why uh, more people need to be, uh, you know, getting this type of help, you know? Cause it's, yeah, it's I mean, coaches, coach to do it. it is. And the coaches generally do a great job and coaches tend to be really psychological folks. Too. I mean, horse trainers are amazing what they have to uh, have on their plates and what they handle in any given day. It's a really tough job. Hats off to horse trainers. But, but it is true when, when, when the psychological piece starts to get uh, uh, burdensome, then that's when I'm useful because I don't have to do all the other things. Because, <laughs> yes, I have training and experience, but also I'm not handling all the other things. And, and sometimes it can be a real relief to to a coach who's um, who's kind of banging her head against the wall with somebody, and and, um, and I, you know, a new voice uh, 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 can be a real. It, it can help the relationship too between the coach and the rider, because um, often, you know, that relationship gets a little stuck. Yeah. And have you ever have you ever um, noticed or or had uh, come across like where someone's coaching style isn't is is oil and water to the way the person. <laughs> learns and like do you ever have to put that to them like hey listen your coach is a wonderful coach and knows everything in the world but you you guys don't communicate well you know has that ever happened yeah yeah oh absolutely and um um definitely but but what and so then we have to we have to figure that out but what more often i see is that people um outgrow coaches and then, you know, you, you need a different coach at a certain level of your um, training than you might at, at a, you know, a few years go down the road and you need some different things or you just need a change. And I think, it, you know, I find that, that it can be really hard for people to A, recognize that and then B, just be magnanimous about it, right? I mean, we outgrow, we outgrow teachers. That's why we graduate. We go from you know, middle school to high school and high school to college, right? That we, we need some different things. And I, um, so that is a more common uh, uh, issue that I find that I, that I see, you know, there's this tension and coaches saying one thing and, and then what, what no one is able to say is, you know, we've outgrown this relationship and, and it's hard because, right. We're really close to our coaches. We love them. They're family. We, right. We spend lots of time with them. It's hard to say, I think you need to to go somewhere else and, and have that be a friendly and supportive transition. I mean, some people will do it, but a, a lot of times it's really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hmm. Now you said that you work with parents, so 
you know, we have a son who, you know, he's he's he rides and he's working up the levels. And I know like we go to these events and, you know, being a mom and walking these cross country courses and the jumps are getting bigger and wider, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, I I, I always joke around saying, you know, I need a a plus uh, a paper bag to breathe into <laughs> you know, like what advice can you give, I know. give us parents that you know are just anxious about our our kids out there riding yeah no it is it is hard and i know this from personal perspective too you know um and it, i mean it, it's natural especially if you're a rider also and you are thinking about the dangers and all that but um but you know, I would say, um, I mean, I would say there's a difference between just the, the anxiety that I think you're talking about and that I have. Like, I know my daughter's well mounted, and but those fences are really big, and you know, yeah, um, and uh, and that's it, right. So that's understandable. I mean, I felt that when my son played football too. I'm like, oh god, those uh, those other players are a lot bigger than he is. I hope he can outrun them. You know, there's that kind of nervousness, um, and then there's a the nervousness of, gee, I hope they do well, right? I right. want this for them, right? And I want her to I want her to win this class. And you know, because you know, she's worked so hard. And and so there's a difference between that and holding it in your in yourself, right? You're sort of holding that versus kind of um getting overly you know, you might somebody use the term lawnmower parenting, you know getting so in your child's face and worried like, Oh, you know, make sure your helmet is tight enough. And Oh, did you see the officer over there? Did you see that jump? Make sure you make that turn. You know, some parents get, they, they, they get overly um, involved adding to the child's stress and kind of forgetting that it is the child's sport, right? Um, we're not the child's coach. Hopefully you've hired a really good coach that you can leave the coaching to, to, um, to that person. Um, and, and also keep your energy sort of, and keep yourself contained. So I hope that answers your question. I, I think um, it's totally right. It's totally normal to feel nervous and anxious for your child. I, I don't know if that ever goes away. I feel that all the time. Um, but, um, but I really try to let the sport be theirs. Um, I mean, I feel blessed to be able to share the sport with my kids and we compete against each other in certain classes and it's, it's a blast. Um, and, um, but I really try to, um, to not coach them at all and to realize that it's their journey, not mine. I've got my own journey. And actually, I think it really helps that I ride. This is an aside, but the fact that I ride, so I am on my own journey. And, you know, I could focus on my own riding and theirs is over there. I think it really helps the relationship, actually. Yeah, I think that's smart. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Because um, a lot of parents that are over involved, they also, you know, they, you know, they, it would be helpful if they had um, had their own horse. <laughs> <laughs> um, if only because it gives us a little humility, right? We know how hard it is. Um, it's, it's easy to ride from the ground. I, I'm, I'm perfect when I ride from the ground. I see every distance and it's, it's a perfect <laughs> round every time. Right? Right, right. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure your mental game is yeah. super strong, right? You never have, a, you never have any uh, nerves going in the show ring, right? N- never. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Oh, my gosh. Right? I mean, I, I was at my first show in about four and a half months. I, I just kind of stuck away with my favorite horse. And um, and I wasn't with my kids. This was just a couple of weeks ago. And um, 
And I said to my trainer, I am so nervous. What is this? The performance psychologist is having a hard time. And, uh, and I had to, you know, I had to do my whole thing. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, and I did have a great time. And for me, what I like to do is I like to remember the joy that I have of being, I love my horses so much and I love being on them and I love the journey and, uh, and I love showing, um, that once I bring that remember and connect to that joy, um, you know, I'm not perfect for sure. I make mistakes. I get rusty. I'm not a professional rider, but I, um, but it's a work in progress and I am, I'm so happy doing it and I definitely ride better. Right because I'm not so tight and I'm, I'm really in present time. So that's a little bit of, of, uh, of my process. Yeah. I think it's cool that you're, you're actively still riding actively a competitor. So you definitely, you, you can definitely relate to everyone that's coming to you. So I think that's mm-hmm. really awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. I love it. So it really does keep you humble. I think, you know, it, it reminds you that of how, because I think if you don't, you, you do forget <laughs> how hard it is, you know? For sure. So. I bet. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Karen, is this fantastic? This is great. Man. Ugh, we Darby. needed her many years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. I needed you. <laughs> My poor kids. <laughs> uh, so, Darby, so you say, you know, you take the phone call. Your, your, your business is called Leg Up Performance Consulting. And then you, you said you do, you know, over-the-phone consultation clinics. You'll come to people's farms. Um, I think you told me like sometimes you get people that are really in a pickle and they might even give you a call sometimes just at the show or something. Uh, how do people contact you and learn more about the business and, and reach out? Um, well, um, uh, my, uh, they can go to my website, which is www.darbybonomi.com and it's spelled D-A-R-B-Y-B-O-N-O-M-I. Um, dot com or uh, on social media. I have a Facebook page. I'm on Instagram. Um, you can just Google me. Definitely easy to find me and just send me an email or uh, my phone number's on there. You can certainly text me and, and I'm uh, pretty easy to reach and um, uh, and not too hard to talk to, hopefully. So I'm happy to to uh, um, consult with anyone that, you know, I always, I always talk with if somebody reaches out to me, I always talk to them for about a half an hour before we decide to work together or not, because I, I need to know a little bit about the situation and I need to be able to figure out whether I feel I actually can help that person. And the, the person needs to feel that, that I can be useful also. So um, I'm happy to do that for anyone who wants to reach out. Gotcha. And if we have a, you know, someone listening at home and they have uh, you know, a child that rides another one that plays golf or tennis or or whatever, you might be able to help those people as well if they're having trouble uh, in their in their oh, equestrian sports. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I have other uh, uh, some other athletes as well. Um, so um, you know, a lot of the principles are are really the same. I don't have the innate knowledge of some of those other sports, but um, but I know a lot about the mind and and psychology and um, and uh, and stress, and so I'm definitely able to help. Um, people in other sports as well gotcha i love it God. Yeah. last question last question am i completely crazy you're talking to me for a little bit am i does karen need to <laughs> i'm pretty sure everyone that knows me well thinks this karen should be hidden for the hills they don't see it <laughs> 
She's fully I, I, I analyzed me, Karen. I'll get a full report later. Yeah. <laughs> her silence, her chuckle yeah. is <laughs> telling. Well, you know, people do say this. I think people do have this natural fear. They used to uh, say to me, oh, my God, are you analyzing me? I'm like, no, I ask, that's work. I am not working right now. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, I think you bring up a good point that people do sometimes get afraid somehow of psychologists. Um, um, but um, um, really, you know, we're here. We're here to help. I mean, we're we're trained to help and we have all these tools and we love to help people. And I think psychologists generally, I certainly, I love working with people and I, it's like such a gift to me to work with riders. I'm so happy doing what I'm doing because, um, you know, I'm working and, and other athletes too. I mean, I'm working with people who are high achievers. They drive, they drive themselves like I do. They, they want to do well. They're motivated for change. Um, and, and that's true of the teenagers I work with too. There's a lot of people that complain about, who complain about teenagers. The teenagers I see, um, are really motivated, right? They're driven. They want to get to the next level and they are feeling stuck and they're happy to talk to me. And of course, they're always happy to talk to me about my, uh, about their horses. So, um, anyway, my message though is that, you know, we psychologists like to talk to people. That's what we do. So, you know. You're way cooler um, than I thought oh. you, you would be. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm a horse psychologist. That's I mean, it. I'm not a go. horse psychologist, but I'm a horse lady. So, um, no, but that does break the ice with, with equestrians. I have parents often say to me, well, she won't be able to talk for an hour. Um, she'll, you know, who the, the, the client will be able to, she won't have enough to say. And, you know, that's never the case because once we start talking horse, we're off and running. Mm, um, we, get that, right. we get that with guests all the time. They get on and they say, listen, don't expect much out of me. I don't right. talk much. And then it's like two hours later. Yeah. It's off to the races. And it's like, well, they sure are quiet. So, but everyone likes to talk about themselves. So, hey, and also we have to uh, just give a shout out to our, our friend Frankie Terriot Stutes, who helped kind of put us all together. So, big shout out to Frankie. Thank you, Frankie. <laughs> Frankie's the so, Karen, was this, was this awesome? This was great. Awesome. So, we're going to link up yeah. all the contact uh, info in the, in the show notes and all. So, that way people can just look down there and just click the link and take it right to you. And, uh, Darby, thank you so much again for, for joining us. And I'm sure that people at home are listening to this. And I'm sure you've definitely touched some, t- touched some lives at home and hopefully uh, help some people out. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It was, it's really been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple iTunes or visit us at MajorLeakEventing.com. Cheers.